Dear God, I thank you for being the sovereign God that you are. I thank you for being our Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, we thank you that we have relationship with you. We thank you that we have relationship with one another. We thank you, Lord, that you have connected us for such a time as this, Lord God, that even when we met each other, I guess that was back in 20. 14, 2015, Lord God, you had today in mind. You had April 23rd, 2020 in mind. You had these covenant conversations with your people in mind. So we just honor you and we thank you for choosing us, for using us. I decree and declare that we will totally decrease and die our flesh to where there is none of us and only you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this space. We said that you can think through our minds and speak through our lips and give us a tongue of the learn so that God is glorified and every individual under the sounds of our voices are good, including ourselves. We decree and declare that this will be an iron sharpening iron experience. We decree and declare that we will have fun. We bind and rebuke any technological difficulties. Lord God, we speak joy. We speak peace. We speak love into the atmosphere. And in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, Lord God, whatever it is that you so desire to manifest from this call, it will be said and it will be so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So do you want to kick us off for me? You can go ahead. Okay. Since this is your topic idea, so go ahead. Yeah, because you want to know, you want to know the real reason. Sure, go ahead. I couldn't remember what, what we had, what you had said when you had tagged me on the post about what we was gonna discuss. So when you was like, "What are we discussing this week?" I'm like, "Well, I feel like I don't, I don't, I can't go back to that Facebook post." So I feel like we should discuss what has been on our minds and kind of like been on the heart of God, and He's been ministering to us individually as well as collectively. And so the discussion of today is discipline, commitment, and mindset mastery. And so when Dana reached out to me a couple of days ago, like, hey, what do you want to discuss on Thursday? Um, again, see, Bill, nah, I ain't gonna blame it on him. That's my back. Um, then I immediately just responded to her. Like, I knew that she had said, like, let's talk about this next week. But I could not remember what this was. So when she reached, so when she reached out to me, I'm like, discipline, commitment, and mindset mastery. And dude was like, cool. And so I feel like that's kind of where we are. Um, I know that just in my personal one-on-one time with God, just on our Monday morning prayer calls, this has, this discipline thing has like really been following us throughout the course of the last few weeks. And then Dana actually um taught on her at her Tuesday, it's Tuesday night, right? Her Tuesday night Bible study. I don't recall the title of the message because I think I low key missed the title of the message, but I know that she was really speaking about commitment. And um, I feel like discipline and commitment kind of really go hand in hand. And then one of the things that God has really been speaking to me about very heavily since um, definitely Monday when I was speaking to my uh, online community about it is mindset mastery. And so I really wanted us to just talk about that. Um, I can kick it off. We want you guys to engage with us um, because I think that a lot of times we equate mindset mastery or discipline or commitment, of course, in our walk with Christ and in our everyday lives, but to business or into health goals or financial goals. But I believe that it's like something that we should exude and implement into the totality of our lives, mentally, physically, relationally, spiritually, financially. Like when it comes, I believe that the commitment and the discipline are byproducts of mindset mastery. So 
I am going to start off by giving this definition of mindset mastery. Um, I've been doing a lot of studying uh, on it because I realized that I've been having to retrain my mind because I believe that, you know, out of the, well, I believe it, but it's also scripture that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But I believe that your mind and your heart have a direct correlation and connection to one another. So what you think is obviously feeding the, those desires that are ultimately being spoken out of your mouth. And of course, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So what you're speaking, you're inevitably going to see and you're going to live that thing. And so I believe that these conscious decisions of commitment or of being dedicated begin with our mind. And so mindset mastery, I have this like quote or whatever. I said mindset mastery occurs when we make the decision to change our attitudes and perspective and to take control of our life. And so I remember, I think it was last, not this Monday, but last week, I shared with a few people on our prayer call as well as Dana. And I think I discussed this last week too. I kind of was like having this like overwhelming frustration, like breakdown. And just to be totally honest and transparent with you guys, I was crying. I was like, didn't know what to do, how to move forward, what I, what strategies I was supposed to implement, if I was just supposed to allow myself to feel like, how do I get past this moment? And one of the things that Dana said to me that really ministered to me while she was actually praying over me, or I guess she was maybe more so prophesying, like speaking what God was speaking to her pertaining to me. And she said, like, in order for, yeah, I think she was praying for, over me. And she was just basically saying, like, in order for, her situation to change. We know that that begins with her perspective. And I don't feel like I under had a, a great understanding. I know that I always talk about shift your perspective, shift your mind, but I don't think I realized just how powerful her words were because after that, I really started diving into my time with God, but also like really seeking like, what are the strategies and what should I be immediately applying into my life and into my processes to get me out of this space? And if it begins with a shift of perspective, like what does that look like, God? And so I want to thank you, Dana. Like I know I I didn't even know I was gonna go here, or because I ain't even told you this, but I want I want to thank you, bruh, for praying over your girl and letting God use you in that um in that moment because it has like. You hurry by by next Monday, like literally seven days later, my entire disposition, perspective, attitude, atmosphere, prayer request, everything has shifted. And I be believe wholeheartedly that it everything shifted because I first did what was required to shift my perspective. I don't even remember saying that. <laughs> You're annoying. I mean, I don't remember that, but I don't like now that you said it. Like, I that don't thank me because clearly it wasn't anything conscious that I said or did, and it was clearly just God. So just thank him, girl, because it went. Yeah. Well, but I mean, that's more so. Do we ever really? I mean, I don't always remember what I pray or speak over people because it was. It's when we praying at the end of the day, it's more so like us surrendering and crucifying the flesh and dying to who we are so that God can speak through us. So um, I ain't going to fault you for that, but it changed my life. So thanks for the prayer. Thank you for being submitted and surrendered to God. When you get your Oscar for most best actress, you want a shout out? Please give me the shout outs. 
Okay. Y'all hear the prophet speaking over my life. I'm about to be an Oscar winning actress. Glory to God. I received that word. Okay. So what do you have for the people? And I want you, I want to um ask, I want to ask before Dana goes into the different things that she wants to speak about. It's like, what does mindset mastery look like to you? Like when you guys hear the word or the term mindset mastery, what is, is something that immediately comes into conversation or into your mind? That's my first question that I want you guys to follow up with. Are we waiting for the follow up or do you want me to speak? You can speak. In the mighty name of Jesus, yeah, Christ, my bad. whatever it is. Well, you can speak. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to say that this conversation is still in line with the topic that Kent suggested last week, where he said, I feel like after last week's discussion on love and basically people saying they could see the struggle on my face and how I struggle with love, but how I need love from my call and my purpose. And then Kent said, well, I think the next conversation should be us getting out of our own way and how we um, hinder our purpose by basically just, you know, like being in the flesh. And I think that's in line with today's conversation in terms of mindset mastery, because you have to make that decision to get out of your own way and submit um, to God and his purpose and his will in a way. It's in line with the conversation, further getting into a conversation about commitment and discipline. And from my Bible study on Tuesday, devotion, uh-huh. I think is a, a little different, but still in line because it all is speaking to the mind. Yeah. Devotion. I, what did I say you was talking about? Commitment? Yeah, but I mean, I was talking about commitment and devotion. Those are the two. Okay, words. I'm like... I'm like, oh Lord, that's what I got out of it. Okay. I mean, I kind of hate when that happens, but if that's what needs to happen, then that's what just needs to happen. Because when sometimes I'll be teaching stuff and then people will be like, yeah, and I got this. And I'll be like, that is not what I said. But if that's but what you know, know yeah, it's a lifting word. So whatever. Um, yeah, it's a minister to different people differently. Bruh, all the time. But anyhow, no, my two words from Tuesday were commitment and devotion. And that stems from the topic or the title of the Bible study series, which I guess you missed was To Live as Christ. And mm. we were studying Philippians 1 and this happened kind of unintentionally of it being a continued conversation because I thought it was just gonna be a one day thing, but then God was like, nah. So then in last week's discussion, we discussed love and how Paul's love is what motivated him and shifted his perspective. And then this week's discussion was about his commitment. He didn't just have the love of Christ or the love of Christ alone. He also had commitment to Christ. And that commitment, of course, stemmed from his love for him. But commitment is really like a mind thing. And and his commitment um, also led to his devotion to Christ that he was saying, I live and die for Christ, basically. Mm -hmm. And so that's why our two words, this in this Tuesday's Bible study was commitment and devotion. And we really just, I really just posed questions to my members of my ministry, but in posing those questions, I really broke down the question. So mm-hmm. I asked them, what are you committed to? And are you committed to Christ? Because obviously you can be committed to multiple things or you can make multiple commitments. 
But at the end of the day, are you committed to Christ? And so we broke down what it means to be committed and really just really uh, define the word, not only biblically, but grammatically. And commitment was defined as the state of being dedicated to a cause or activity. But then I broke down dedicated because it's like, well, what does it mean to be dedicated to something? And it means having single-minded loyalty or integrity, exclusively allocating or intending for a particular service or purpose. So to be committed is a state of being single-mindedly loyal. It's the state of being exclusive to a particular purpose or service or cause or activity. And it's also an engagement or obligation that restricts your freedom of action. That's good. And we really broke down from that definition, what it means to be single-mindedly loyal, because I thought it was so interesting that the, the I think it was Miriam Webster's dictionary defined it as single-minded loyalty. And the Bible talks so much about double about double-mindedness. And so that's when we really just got into the scriptures. So we, people could really examine themselves when they were answering the question, what are they committed to? They have to say, okay, so what am I singly minded or single-mindedly loyal to? And how can mm-hmm. I do that? Unless I know what it means to be double-mindedly loyal to something. So then we really broke down the scriptures about what it looks like to be double-minded and hope that hope that, that would expand people's context when they answer the question, what are you truly committed to? Because you could say you're committed to something and at the end of the day, you're really not. Because you don't yeah. have understanding of what it means to be committed because I think a lot of people especially in this generation tend to think they're committed to things and then when things get rough you see that they're not or when they're presented with something that looks better you see that they're not or when they have the option to move between two different things at the same time you see that they're not because minded oil means one one thing and not double-mindedness. I mean, we could get into the scriptures and what they say about double-mindedness, but that's a whole other conversation. But that was just how we really broke down commitment. And then as we got to devotion, I asked the same question, what are you devoted to? And are you to Christ? And really broke down what it means to be devoted. And now my notes are not pulling up, so that's marvelous. Oh, so then we got to devoted and it means to give all or a large part of one's time or resources to a person, activity, or cause. That's so good. That's what it means to devote, right? But then when you- Can you read that one more time, please? To devote, I mean, y'all could put this in Google because that's where I got it from. But to devote means to give all or a large part of one's time or resources to a person, activity, or cause. And that's what it means to, de- to devote. Wow. So then I broke down like, okay, what is your time and your uh, your resources? Obviously, we know what our time is, but when it comes to are we devoted to Christ, what does that time look like? It looks like prayer. It looks like meditation. It looks like going to church. It looks like fellowship. It looks like worship. It looks like praise. It looks like um, studying the Bible. It looks like reading the Bible because those are two different things, and let's be clear about that too. And Very so, clear. And so... We broke down what the time looks like in your devotion to God. And then we broke down what the resources that you devote look like in terms of God. Because, you know, when you think about if you're devoted to your job, it's easy to think about what resources. Or if you're devoted to charity, you think of your money. But what does that look like for Christ? What are your resources for Christ since he is the ultimate source? So why does he need my resources, you know? So we really had the discussion on 
What are your resources for Christ? And it is money because tithing is money. Hey, and Jasmine. It, <laughs> and it is uh, your gifts, the same gifts that you would give to your job, your gifts and abilities are the same resources God requires you to use. Uh, it is also your... Um, can we talk about that time thing again before you keep going? Because I feel like a lot of people always ask or at least ask me like, well, how much time am I supposed to spend with God? Like, what is a good amount? And I think that we can give people like, OK, this is what you're supposed to do. This is how you're supposed to do. I mean, this is what you're supposed to do. This is why you're supposed to do it. But even something that I know that works well with me and you just in our everyday conversations is we when we're in these moments of like iron sharpening iron, we be like, OK, but how does that look like? Or like, how am I supposed to actually apply this into my life? So what I always tell people is like. When it comes to how much time, I don't believe that there is a set amount of time that you should spend with God that will, I, I believe that it's really quality over quantity. However, if you needed some type of guidance or some type of like standard to live or go by, I think that he asks us for a tithe, right? Which is 10% of our money or of our whatever. I believe that that tithe can be applied to every area of our lives. So if there's 24 hours in a day, we can apply that two two hours and 40 minute tie a day to God. So that doesn't mean like you have to do that. Like, OK, I'm going to sit down, study, read my Bible, do devotion, pray all this for two, two and a half hours. But that can be broken up into like 30 minute increments or 10 minutes here. 10, like and just I mean, I think that if you just want to start off, if you are just starting off like, OK, I want to become more devoted and more commitment and give God more of me and my time. But you don't know what that looks like. You can do something as small or as large as, okay, I'm gonna set aside 10 minutes a day. I'm gonna turn my phone off like, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna set me an alarm. And I know that I'm, for 10 minutes, and this is something that strategies that people use to build their prayer life. Like, okay, I'm gonna pray for 10 minutes straight. And that takes a discipline. Praying for 10 minutes, you don't realize how much of a discipline it takes until you put some strategy or intentionality behind it. Like, OK, I'm going to pray for 10 minutes. And as soon as you get down there to pray, what happened? You start thinking about all kind of other stuff like, wait, did, did, what am I going to eat later? And you don't even realize like seven minutes later, like, dang, I didn't even pray. <laughs> am I supposed to start off, start over or do I just follow through with these next 10, I mean, next three minutes? And so I think that putting a time on like it's kind of like timed time management. Like I, I think that that helps going back to that mindset mastery. Like if we want to be and answer those questions that Dana posed, like, you know, are you committed to God or Christ? Are you devoted to God and Christ? And how does that look like? Well, let's start being more intentional and strategic in these things. Like, okay, I want to read one chapter of the Bible a day. I want to intentionally pray 10 minutes a day. And are we going to always get it right? Are we always going to meet those goals? Not necessarily. However, God honors our efforts. He loves like our, our seeking of him. Like in Matthew 6, 33, it says, seek him first. Like he loves when we are seeking him. He loves when we're striving after trying to gain more of him, gain more wisdom, gain more knowledge. So how much, like we serve a strategic to God. He is very intentional. He is very, I think that Dana even said this. I don't know when she said it. I'm not even going to say whether it was in prayer, Bible study or what. But like God is so meticulous that he's a God of order. When it comes to that discipline, when it comes to that commitment, like even him creating the days within seven days, like he's a God of order. He's a God of intentionality. He's a God of strategy and structure. So why don't we put that same amount of 
put that same energy like people are like okay keep that same energy later like why don't we put that same energy into our relationship with god like if we're working in corporate or if we have a nine to five or if we're going to school we know that that's running on a schedule right we know that that there's a certain time for us to arrive or there's a certain time for me to have to get there or i know that i'm gonna be in this class for 50 minutes or i'm gonna work at my job from 10 to 6. well why don't we put that same energy 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 into creating some type of habit um with our relationship with god i just want to add that and you'll be surprised like how much time flies by sometimes i know when, at least when it comes to like studying the bible or reading the bible I will sit down to read one chapter and look up and a whole hour has passed. And if you have dedicated an hour that day, you read one chapter if, or you studied one chapter. Or like you mentioned, um, in terms of prayer, it's enough things going on that I'm sure you got five minutes worth of prayer in you that it will fly by because you'll be talking about everything that's happening. And then if you then take the time to listen to, five minutes is gonna fly by. And if, we have to recognize that certain things commands us to have discipline in our lives, like you mentioned, school and work. If you think about school, you wasn't getting no check for that, but you were showing up to school on time because school forced you to have a certain level of discipline. Work might be a little different because you feel like there's a, a quid pro quo, so you're getting paid to show up at a certain time, but you know that you will get fired if you don't. But if you think about these things that force us to have some level of discipline, that means you have the discipline in you, but it goes back to what are you committed to? You're committed to work because you're gonna get money out of it. You're committed to school because you have to, because your parents are the force. It's an obligation, um, which is also the definition of commitment and obligation that restricts your freedom of action. So if you start to think of these other things that you're committed to, they require discipline from you because you can't be committed to something without discipline because you have to restrict your freedom of action to be committed, yeah. which means you're disciplined to it. So if you think about all these other things that you're committed to, how much more is it to be committed to God if you could be committed to a check or you could be committed to school? And if those things force discipline, if you're committed to God, that means it, force, it forces discipline too. And some of that discipline is time. So even if there's something new for you, just think of it like that. Like I got to wake up at six o'clock and spend five minutes with God because that is what is required in this commitment. Good. One of the other things that I wrote down pertaining to mindset mastery is that your mindset largely affects what you achieve or fail to achieve in life. And so I think that if we start, so one of the things that I wrote down, um, and I realized that I say this all the time, I always say like, what you think you believe, what you believe you're going to speak. Like I say it, I say, it, I say it for years, but I never really put scripture behind that. Like it was just like my personal mantras, a way of life or, um, I guess my personal mindsets. So like I broke it down into like three different parts. And number one is what you think you believe. And that comes from Romans 12 too. I think that's Romans 12 too is don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I think hmm. it's 12.1. I think it's Romans 12.1. Okay. Let me see. So Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And then verse 2 says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and 
and acceptable and perfect will of God. And I love that. I'm glad that you even said verse number one, because it talks about us presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. That was from the Bible study on Tuesday when we were talking about the resources that we uh, devote to God. That's why I was thinking of Romans 12, 1. But then we also touched on Romans 12, 2, because we talked about the whole mindset. And um, one of the questions that our, member, our members asked was about the things of this world. And we were speaking on the loyalty from the commitment and what it looks like to be loyal to the world because sometimes we can blur those lines easily. And then that's when Romans 2 came into play. So that's why I mixed the two verses up. But yes. Yeah. They live in sacrifice. I'm almost about to go in on that live in sacrifice because people feel like, oh, you know, Jesus died so that I can live. Yeah, live to be a sacrifice. <laughs> like, like, oh, that's so good. Like, yes, he died so that you can live and so that you can live more abundantly, but live to be a sacrifice. Like I, I said, I said this in a few conversations between me and you on live stream before. Like I said, God gave his son. So that we can have everlasting life or eternal life. So that's life after death. And then Jesus gave his life so that we can live while here on earth. But that is not to live and do what it is that you want to do. Like, oh, I'm a Christian. I know that I can sin. I can do what I want to do. And I'm still going to get to heaven. I can just access repentance. But it's more so like, yeah, well, you can. Or, or you can actually live your life unto God as a living sacrifice. And that word sacrifice is more so. And I like to say like, like. When the Bible says, like, give out of the abundance of your heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, because God loves a cheerful giver, a cheerful. That means hilarious, happy, excited, prompt to do it. So when it says, like, give out of the abundance of your heart, not, gr not grudgingly, not of necessity, but because God loves a cheerful giver, give your life because you want to give like live your life. This one it comes talking about a living sacrifice, like live your life as if it's pleasing to God, not because it's what's required of you. Don't do it grudgingly like, oh, I'm a Christian or oh, I got to read my Bible or oh, I got to pay tithes or oh, I can't be cursing because like, no, do it because you want to do it because you want to be this living example of God. And that really goes to something that I'm going to just share with you guys a little bit. Um, I'm going to be, I don't even know. I didn't, I just felt like the Holy Spirit told me to grab my notebook and so I'm going to share with you guys one of the letters that I wrote to God this morning because I had no clue about, I, I had no intentions on going to Romans 12, 1, where it speaks about that living sacrifice. But I feel led to share this. And I wrote, dear God, I'm hearing you clearer than ever before these days. And I love it. I guess that means our relationship is closer than before as well. And I love that too. And then out of nowhere, I just became just like, I just love God. <laughs> so I wrote down. I'm going to spend more quality time in your presence, not because that's what I'm supposed to do, not because it's what you've instructed me to do, not because it's what I've scheduled to do, and not because it's what the Holy Spirit has guided me to do, but it's because it's what I want to do. I want to have more quality time with you. And then after that, I literally wrote down, the deeper I fall in love, the more time I want to spend with you. And I was just, that just was like me pouring out my heart to God. Like, I don't want to do this because it's what's expected. Like, I don't want to get up and read my Bible in the morning because that is the norm or this is what I have decided to do, which I think that those things are great. Like, we have to create those strategies. We have to have the, those intentional disciplines for the commitment and devotion that's required for us to grow in God. But I think that there gets a point in our walk where, okay, I'm not just doing this because I want to create this discipline. I'm not just 
doing this because this is what God has called me to do. I even say that with fasting. When I first started fasting on my own, um, not because the church had required for it to happen or anything, but when I first started fasting on my own um, in college, you better write him that little story. Hallelujah. <laughs> Well, when I first started fasting on my own in college, not because the church told us to, not because my family or it was required of me, I did it because I was sacrificing. It was a sacrificial fast. Like I was fasting because I needed God to intervene or I was fasting because I needed to hear a word from God or I was fasting because I needed an answer. Like I was fasting for something. I was willing to crucify my flesh, like die to my flesh, starve my flesh to strengthen my spirit, to strengthen my spiritual ear discernment, to strengthen my relationship with God. But as the years continue, like I've been out of college for seven years. I'm showing my age, but I don't care. And as the years progress, and as hey, uh, -uh it, it yeah, but <laughs> but it's April right now, so seven. So next month we'll make eight. <laughs> I ain't walked to December. <laughs> Bad, but um, so but as the years have progressed, at least seven, eight years. Um, I started realizing. I feel like within these last two years, actually around 2018 that I was no longer only sacrificing or only fasting sacrificially. I started fasting in obedience. So there was a shift even in my understanding of fasting because I understood that you can fast because you want to sacrifice and receive something from God. But there are also fasts of obedience when he's trying to get something to you. So it ain't like, okay, I'm fasting for this. It's like, no, God is telling me like, no, I want you to fast. And you may not even understand why or what you're going to receive. But, you know, like there's a difference between a sacrificial fast and a fast of obedience. And I started realizing, I guess, just this morning, like, I don't want to just spend time with God because I'm super tense. And people who know me know what it when me being tense, what that means. That means that Holy Spirit is not letting up until I do what God has told me to do. So I don't want to only press into his presence when I am in a place of desperation. I don't only want to press into his presence when I feel like it's required or I'm obligated to do it or it's the Christian thing to do or, you know, because this is like my, this is my strategy or this is my schedule of the day. Like I wanted, I want there to be times like if normally I would go to Netflix during, during mindless time when I'm trying to take a break from work or something, why don't I just go to my Bible? Like, why don't I just rest in his presence? Like, when I would normally take a nap, why don't I just pray? Like, why don't I just intercede? Like, I want that to become my go-to because I love him that much. And he's been that good to me. Um, I know that I'm ranting and r rambling on, but I think I'm just very passionate about my relationship with God. And I think that when it comes to our discussion and topic of today of mindset mastery, of devotion, of commitment, of dedication, I believe that what God is allowing you guys to experience through me is after consistent dedication, after consistent devotion, after consistent commitment, right? Then it bursts this no longer need to, but want to. I think that what I'm experiencing is kind of the fruits of because I believe that dedication, commitment and devotion are seeds. And when you plant seeds into good ground, you're going to reap a harvest. And I think that right now I'm reaping the harvest and the fruit of those seeds of now it's not because I need to. I, or I do long to still like I hunger and thirst for his presence, for his righteousness. But now I want to like now I love God that much that it isn't more so a discipline that's required um, still. Still need to implement discipline. Don't get your girl. Don't get it twisted. I ain't perfect. 
still need to implement di discipline. But I think that we can get to a space where like we can be more gracious to ourselves because we're just in so just like in actually embracing and feeling God's love, if that makes sense. Are you froze? No, your eyes just went up. You ain't got nothing to say. I actually was thinking that commitment then leads to devotion rather than what you say, where commitment, devotion, dedication leads to whatever burst. But the other definition, so to devote means to allocate your time and resources, but devoted means loving and loyal. And so like when you say he was a devoted husband, father, and friend on a person's tombstone, you're not saying he dedicated all his time and resources. You're saying he was loving and loyal. He was devoted. And I'm sure his commitment to his family is what led him to be seen as devoted or be devoted to be loving and loyal because he had this commitment to these people so when you have this or what it sounded like when you were speaking is your commitment to christ led to you being a devoted child you being a devoted servant that you can put that on your tombstone and can get that thing that we all want to hear good job my servant Ooh, I just feel overwhelmed by God's presence. I just like, I feel all warm and cozy over here. Like, I want to cry because I'm just like, what just happened, God? <laughs> like, what am I experiencing right now? Um, but yeah, like, I love God. And I believe that that begins with a decision, which we spoke about last week. Like, um, and I love your aunt, how she summarized. No, I think we, no, that was last week we spoke on love. How she summarized. I don't remember your specific quote that you put in there but basically like in a nutshell she was saying like yo love begins with a decision <laughs> and if it's that god agape type of love you're not giving it to receive like a lot of times we give expecting to receive and when it's not reciprocal or when we're not getting it back how we expect it or how we desire for it to then that can of course cause like me and uh, Olivia talked about yesterday, like a heart attack, which is actually spawned from Dr. Darius Daniels Sunday sermon. Um, he's from Change Church and he spoke about heart attacks and how a lot of people, of course, as soon as you hear the word heart attack, you're immediately thinking about like, I'm about to die, like a physical heart attack. But there are things that attack your heart. And um, I'm not going to go into that because y'all can go back and watch me and Olivia's live stream from yesterday where we talked about it was actually entitled a heart check. And in that live stream, we really just gave strategies on how to overcome when you're experiencing wounded worship or when you're experiencing a broken heart or you have been receiving attacks from in your heart, whether it's from the enemy or other people or whatever has occurred. But we really just gave you different spiritual as well as practical strategies of how to move forward. And so then today with myself and Dana, I think that when it comes to like the commitment, the devotion, the dedication that is required for a spiritual relationship or even just any areas of your life. I think personally, and Dana, you can weigh in and let us know how you think, but I really think that it just as much as love begins with a decision, so does mindset mastery, so does dedication, so does commitment, so does devotion. The quote that my aunt used that you're referring to was, love is not a quid pro quo, love is a disciplined decision, the catalyst of which is our love for God. 
Mm. And what was the question you just asked me about the decision for commitment? Yeah, I, I, I said that I believe that mindset master. I mean, yeah, all of it begins with a decision. Like commitment and devotion, dedication. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um. So do you have, oh yeah, I want to finish these like three steps. So I said, number one is like what you think you believe. And that came from Romans 12 two, but we can do 12, Romans 12, one through two. And then, so what you think you believe. And then I put what you believe you speak. And that came from Matthew 12, 34. I want to read it. I should have wrote this up down. Matthew 12, 34 says, Broad of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I really just wanted us to focus on for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I said, step number one is like what you think you believe. And what you believe, you speak. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And then it's number three is what you speak, you will see. And then that comes from Proverbs 18. And honestly, what led me into, into my love story actually is Proverbs 18. I was just reading Proverbs 18, and that made me, that I feel like they just sent me over. <laughs> they just sent me over. And literally, he, the Proverbs 18 ain't talking about love or anything. It's just talking about your mouth. I don't know. I just was all up feeling good with God this morning, um, and I just love him. So Proverbs 18, verse number 20 through 21 says, A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. And then verse number 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat of its fruit. And so when I'm saying like what you think you believe, what you believe you speak and what you speak, you will see like these are, this is scripture. Like this stuff is biblical, right? So that means that it is a, it is a sure, it, and these are spiritual principles. A lot of times we think that, you know, these only apply to faith-based Christian believers. Like, no, this, what you speak, you're going to see that is a spiritual principle. That is across all denominations, all religions, even for the unbelievers. Like people believe like I can speak into the universe and it will come or I got bad karma because I should have never said that or let me knock on wood. So it don't matter if you believe in God or if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior or not. Like this is a spiritual principle. Like it is a sure fact. It is the truth of life. What you speak, you going to see. So you might as well just speak positivity or what you want to see. I, um, Darrell Walls from the Walls Group, I was up watching a, um, what is that, that little show called with this dude and you on a screen and he give you a word and you got to sing whatever word, come, the first word to come to your mind. I know what you're talking about, but I don't know the name of it. Yeah, like kind of like word association type thing. Um, so he had the Walls Group on there. And so for some odd reason, like one, two o'clock in the morning. Hmm. That's an old clip, right? Yeah, I think it was from like 2019. Yeah, okay. You saw it. Mm -hmm. in, in that in that um show. Well, let me tell you how I got there because the walls, I mean, because the Clark sisters was on there. So so I didn't went and watch the Clark sisters. And then I started realizing he got all gospel artists. I said he is clearly in his gospel bag right now. Because literally all or maybe my algorithm was in his gospel bag and they started realizing I, <laughs> because it started putting everybody and I started realizing like, oh, he really be having these like gospel artists on here as well. But nevertheless, I ended up watching because he had like Jonathan McReynolds. Like, I'm going to have to go back. But um, a, a 
what's her name? The girl who's saying, won't he do it? Mm-hmm. She on there. I ain't watched her yet neither. But nevertheless, on the Walls group episode, it was two. Darrell said something. He and I put it on Facebook, and I don't remember the exact quote. I can go look on my wall. But what this man said, he said that your words will follow you, or something like that. And I was like, oh, that's so good. Let me put it on Facebook. Hold on, talk to these people while I go look it up, Dana. Oh my God! Clearly, this is your day, so you just the one that want to talk. No, I don't. I mean, oh yes, I do. Oh, look at that tongue. But I just, I mean, that's why you gotta tame your tongue. That's why you have to be cognizant of what comes out your tongue. That's why me personally nowadays, I just don't say nothing. Cause that whole adage of if you don't have nothing nice to say, don't say nothing at all. So I'll be trying to, even when you don't got something, you know how you should just speak positivity. If you ain't got the positive positivity in you at that moment, then just don't say nothing. You know, like my dream. That's been my method these days. I just ignore people. And I just don't How has that method been working for you, friend? I don't know, child, because, you know, whatever. I'm not going to say nothing. That ain't, you know, speaking life into that situation. So, you know. I don't know where this thing is. I guess I be out here sharing too much stuff. I don't even know where it's at no more. I didn't think I'd be writing that many stuff. Okay. Found it, guys. He said, your words follow you. Say what you want to happen. So I feel like that's just another way to say life and death is in your tongue. And so what you speak, you're going to eat. Or what you speak, you're going to see. It's the same thing. It does get annoying sometimes, though. I will say this. Because people, like you said, that's just a spiritual principle. And it doesn't necessarily have to apply to just believers in Christ. And because of that, other people who consider themselves spiritual and not necessarily Christian, or even Christians who confuse the two, because there's some of that too, mm-hmm. then think that they manifest things on their own just because they're speaking it. And then it comes into like mantra manifestation. Like it gets to a borderline where we, people start to blur and think that they're manifesting out of the universe or out of their own abilities because they spoke these things and they. Mm-hmm. To speak these things and it's even a practice like I don't want to call people out which is why I'm trying to limit me saying what experience I've experienced with people but they'll take meditation and mantras and manifestations and leave God out mm. and while yes life and death is in the power of the tongue let's not forget where that power is coming from. Like, let's not just be thinking because I'm out here saying, I'm gonna get a million dollars, I'm gonna get a million dollars. And then also be using what you're speaking to benefit just you. Like, I don't know, it's just that borderline. And that's one thing that we had in our discussion on Tuesday about commitment and devotion and where that came from for me, because so many people are committed, but they're not committed to Christ and they're just committed to themselves. And you then use the principles of God to help yourself. Wow. And that just gets, that's one of my pet peeves. And I'm trying not to be peeved about it because I have a lot of people in my generation that I've clearly been, that they have clearly been placed in my life for a reason, who I see them on those spiritual kicks. And it's like, yo, it's annoying. I don't like it. And I don't, like to the point where you start meditating to some man who's talking about your power and manifestation. Like, 
yes, you have power, but where does that power come from? Like, let's not, I don't know. It's just very borderline for me and spiritual people get on my nerves. Ha! You want to know something that I really took from Wednesday, though? I mean, Tuesday's Bible study, when you were talking and, you know, people were asking questions and you was providing answers and solutions and backing it up with scripture. I think one of my, it kind of, when I was just like listening, it all boiled down to me is like the intent of the heart, like the heart posture. Um, Just like hearing you say like, okay, it's not so much like you cannot be committed to other things. But are, what? why are you committed to other things? Like, what is your intention or intent behind being committed to these other things? And are you putting these other things above God or above Christ? Like, are not only are your intentions evil or not even necessarily evil, but selfish, like whether it's evil or selfish or whatever. But in addition to these intents, like in addition to the, the desires or what's behind the motivation behind the commitment, like, are you now making this thing an idol? And I think that that is what we have to, that's why I loved your study and I loved your questions. Like, are you, not what are you committed to? And conjunction word, what are you committed to? And are you committed to Christ? What are you devoted to? And are you devo devoted to Christ? Because there, you can, it's not like a one size fits all. That just totally reminded me once again, speaking on Princeton Parker's, Pastor Princeton Parker's Bible study. The first, last week I mentioned it because he did the first part of his Game Changing Prayers series. Uh -huh. And this week he did the second part of it. But his foundation scripture is literally what you kind of just said, or just reminded me of that. And it's in James 4, verse three. And it's so funny because then we use James 4, four, in our Bible study, it's just so interesting that in this season of this pandemic, the one spirit has been moving. Like when I say I cannot listen or watch or talk about what someone else in the body of Christ said without it lining up with something that someone else said, like literally it's been one spirit this whole season. But anyway, Princeton Parker's foundation scripture is actually James 4, 1 through 3. But what you said just reminded me of verse 3, where it says, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Like, my God. Like, and then amiss, I wrote in my Bible because, and don't y'all judge my Bible because I'm able to just pick up the pages. Um, can you see that as a blur? I mean, I can't read what it says, but I see that it's janky. <laughs> or, or well used. Um, anyway, amiss <laughs> is defined as wrong or improperly. Um, and so it says you ask and you do not receive because you act wrong or improperly that you may like the reason why it's wrong or improperly, not because you ain't using the right words, it's because your heart posture is wrong. You got the wrong intent. Like you asking so that you can spend it on your own pleasures. And then James 4 4 is what we talked about in our Bible study this Tuesday when we were talking about commitment and devotion and being single-mindedly loyal because you can't be double-minded you can't be out here serving two masters but james 4 4 i feel like falls in line with that too because a lot of time people's pleasures are of the world yeah 
James 4.4 says, and I'm in the New King James Version. It says adulterers and adulteresses, and then it has an exclamation point. And it was just so interesting to me right there because it was like, oh, he knows who he's speaking to. He's speaking to the disloyal. Because an adulterer is a person who's disloyal. An adulterer is a person who's hopping around from person to person without a commitment. And so that's good, friend. I didn't even say that on Tuesday. That no, right that's not, oh my yo, this is so good. Hopping around with no commitment, adulterer. Because, you know, we think of an adulterer, you think of someone who's married and they're having an affair. But when you refer to adultery, like in the commandments, you don't you're not speaking to an affair. You're speaking to just having sex outside of a commitment. So when he says adulterers and adulteresses, when James says that he's just speaking to people without a commitment. That's so good. That's so deep. I didn't even get that. That's so good. I'm so glad this is recorded. Anyway, so he already know who he's speaking to. And that's why I love the book of James, because he's straightforward and I'm a straightforward person. And he's just like, this is who I'm talking to, exclamation point. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And so many people out here want to be friends with the world and they're not acknowledging it. And it's so annoying that it annoys me so bad. And it's not saying that you can't be in the world because obviously we're natural beings and we do live in this world. But if you of the world, like, come on. And that's what the question stands. And I think that looks back, not looks back, but his question asked because he wanted to make sure that his pleasures or his desires were not of the world. And he equated he it to the like, knowledge. Yeah. He equated it to the American dream. So he was like, is the American dream thus of the world? And I said, well, let's break down what the American dream is. Self-ambition and greed. Let's be real. Because first of all, I got the word American in it. And let's look at America, first of all. Second of all, it's the cap America is a capitalist state, a capitalist country. Mm -hmm. So anything with the word American in it, you already know going to start to deal with greed. Let's be real. Greed, lying, and thievery. So let's yeah. just on that. So when you talk about the American dream, is it of this world? Uh, let's look at the word American. No. Second of all, the American dream is the idea that you can work your way up, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, which also is just myth mythology. But anyway, is that you can work your way into this wealth, that you can work hard and get what you deserve. So that's also motivated by self-ambition and the self-ambition of the world. Yes. So when, when it says that in James 4.3 that you spend it on your pleasures and then 4.4 is like, because you're a friend of God, I mean, a friend of the world and an enemy of God, like, that's where it just really comes from for me. My annoyance is that so many people, Christians alike, or people who are like borderline Christian, like they've been up in the church, but they're not really Christian, whatever. Because if you're of the world and you yes pleasures of the world, obviously, because you're of the world. But when you claim to be a Christian and you can't even check that your own pleasures are friends of God, I mean, friends of the world. Like your pleasure is a friend of the world. Like your desire is a friend of the world. Your desire is to be of this world and you don't even recognize it. So clearly you're not. I, yeah, I think that, and I also think like when it comes to Christian, Christianity or any religion, I think that there's a difference between relationship and relationship. Yeah. And I think that that's why even people who are say like I'm not a Christian, I'm 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 more spiritual. And then my response I always was like, oh good, praise God, me too. Like, I mean, I'm a Christian and I'm super proud of it, but I'm more spiritual too. So what does that look like to you? Because I'm talking about that I'm more spiritual because I I believe that religion is more so about the rules, the regulations, the traditions, and the custom, right? But I think that relationship speaks about that just that my relationship 
with God. How I would rather spend time with him than to do what is the cookie cutter obligation that is specifically catered towards different religions, right? And so I wanted you to actually say, because we quote that scripture a lot, like be in the world and not of the world. And we talk about like, you know, being a friend of God and not a friend of this world. But you gave an amazing scripture on Tuesday, because if, if the question is like, OK, well, what does it look like to be a friend of the world? Then. All right. Well, we don't have to figure it out. We don't have to even use any examples of, of the American dream. Is it God makes it very plain and very clear in the scriptures? Yeah. On Tuesday, I told the person like, OK, well. Not only do you have to break down what you want to see if that breakdown, hey Jasmine, <laughs> not only do you have to break down what you want to see, what you want, but then see how it fits in the scripture because the American dream is not in the Bible. So the Bible not going to say thou shalt not have the American dream, but the Bible does speak on self-ambition and greed. So break down what it is you're saying you desire. I desire Corvette. Okay. What do you desire? Self-ambition and greed and what the Bible says about that. And the Bible is very clear on what the things of the world are because in Galatians 5, not only does it speak on the fruits of the spirit, so the manifestations in the spirit, but it speaks on the fruits of the flesh. So the manifestations of your um, walking in your flesh, which is of this world. So I think it starts at verse, in Galatians 5. Right. Verse you can start at 15. 15. Yeah. 15, but if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 17, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, self-ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in the time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So that right there is the world because that's the flesh and that's what will not get you into the kingdom. So if you break down what you desire and it falls into any of that, you want something because you're jealous of the person that has it. You want to get something by practicing witchcraft. It says sorcery. Let's break that down into witchcraft. And let me tell y'all that y'all performing witchcraft when y'all doing all these spiritual things like burning your sage and using your ankh and all that. But anyway, I ain't going to go there. Um, if what you want is a bottle of Hennessy and not just to have a shot and a little good time, but to down the whole bottle, your drunkenness is of the world. Like, let's really break down what you want and see where it fits in the scripture because if you want the American dream because you want to achieve money so that you can sow it into the kingdom and that you can tithe more and you can help your church and you can fulfill your purpose because less money is a tool. Let's be real. You need money. So I'm not saying yeah. money is of the world and is sin, but your love of it is. So now let's break down the American dream. Are you doing these things because of your greed? So really break down what you want. And a lot of things that people want are self-ambitious. And it said it right there in Galatians 5, that ain't of God. That's all good. And even with that money thing, I love how how you put that. Like, 
again, like it's not because people say, oh, money is the root of all evil. No, read the scripture. The love of money is the root of, of all evil. So now we're going back to like going back to the intent and the motive. Like, why do you love money? Like, do you love money because you want to use this as a tool? Money is a tool, right? Dana just said that money is a tool. Money is a resource. Money is the currency of this realm, right? We know that faith is the currency of the kingdom of God. Money is the currency of this realm. So if I want and desire money or I love money because I want to, want to use it to further the kingdom of God, to spread the gospel, okay, well, your intentions aren't ill, right? Your intentions aren't misplaced. Your intentions aren't in alignment with the world with the world which is what she just read out of galatians 5 but if your love of money is solely because you want to get a nice house you want to get a nice car you want to get your family up out the hood again like family out the hood thing is kind of like a borderline thing but if it's all for self and all for your people and not again to do god's work and for to yeah to period to do god's work then because then if you it's really just striking something we're like if everything you want to do with your money is materialistic, then one, the scripture says all that stuff could be eaten up by the moths and stole moths and stole stolen by the thieves. So you worry about all these worldly possessions that ain't gonna hold you for nothing once you get to heaven. Second of all, the scripture, Matthew 6 21, where it talks about you you keeping the treasures, where you keep your treasures is where you keep your heart. So if all your treasures are materialistic, then your heart is just in the material. And that's mm. Matthew 621. And then something else you said. So oh, good. But oh, when when Jesus was talking in the parable in Luke, and I forgot who was just speaking on his parable, I think it was Mike Todd. And he tells the guy that if he really wants to follow Christ and be great, he says, okay, sell all your possessions and then come follow me. And then somewhere else in Acts, in the, in the beginning of the church, like they were selling their possessions so that they could use the money to help those in need. So at the end of the day, we see that what the true acts of God is not in the material thing. So if your desire, yes, we all want nice shoes. I am a shoe girl. Yes, we all want a house to live in. Let's not be, you know, fake and phony. But if that's your sole motivation, and that's where your treasures are, and that means that's where your heart is, then, heart is your then, heart. It's, a, then it's the issue. Yeah. So in closing, <laughs> this is good. Um, what's that for? I said, and all over the place. I know. It's, that's God. That's not even good. That's God. Do you have any final words for the people? Nope. All right. I was trying to see if I wanted to share any of the my, my, any more of my notes, but I think that we did God justice on today. So we can pray out. Dana, will you do us the honors? But in a nutshell, discipline or decisions lead to discipline. Decisions lead to commitments. Decisions lead to mindset mastery. Decisions lead to love. Love leads to living in the world and not of the world. Choose God, choose love. Oh, in choosing love, you choose God because God is love. I hate this organization. I'm like cringing on the inside. Like, uh. <laughs> you get a letter so bad. Anyway.
Dear God, thank you for taking over the conversation and making sense of it all, despite its spontaneity. God, let the conversation reach the right heart and the right mind. Let it spark something that causes the person, a person to reflect not only on their heart posture, but on their decisions, on their commitments, on their dedications, and help them in that reflection master their mindset so that they can focus their mind on you because you call us in the greatest commandment to love you with all our heart and all our mind. So direct our minds to you, direct our hearts to you, especially in this season, prepare us for coming out of this season, continue to work in this season and to continue to heal in this season, not only healing minds and hearts, but also bodies. Let this conversation be pleasing in your sight and let it do what you sent it out to do because you said your word will not return to you void. Thank you for the opportunity and thank you for all that you will do. Thank you for the seeds that landed on good ground. Nurture them so that they may produce the fruit of the spirit that you have called them to. In Jesus' name I pray and for his sake, amen. Amen. All right, y'all. We'll see you guys for another Covenant Conversation next week. I thought you wasn't dropping the name until you dropped the flyer. I didn't tell them that that was the name until you just told them. You <laughs> like implicitly did, though. So like Yeah, I was like a subtle thing. Okay, y'all. Love y'all. Bye. Who am I? Am I ready? Am